0: Everybody, welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos. I'm here with Andre Brisson, who's the founder of Tactical Breakthroughs, and he is doing some really, really interesting stuff around ADHD and mental stuff that affects a ton of entrepreneurs, ton of lawyers. Really, really excited to dig into this because if you have a brain, and you're listening to this episode, and I hope you do. There's chances are that something that we're going to talk about is going to affect you. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Andre.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Jan. Uh, like, and the thing is for me. I concentrate on the high-achieving entrepreneur, and I am I got a feeling the majority of your listeners are high-achieving lawyers, I mean, I think that puts us in a different category also with ADHD and even the entrepreneurial
0: world, so I'm really looking forward to this. All right, awesome, man. So really excited to get into it, but I always kind of like to ask this question, like, you know, why did you focus on this? What got you into focusing on helping out high-achieving entrepreneurs with the ADHD stuff?
1: Well, four years ago, after... During a life tempest, that was a big, massive, perfect storm between life complications, business complication, bad partnership with my engineering company, and I just kind of imploded. My ADHD symptoms took over. I didn't know what it was, and I went and got help and got diagnosed four years ago with severe ADHD. My psychiatrist looked at me and said, you shouldn't have graduated engineering. You shouldn't have had successful companies. So I must have done something to overcome those symptoms unknowingly. And that just explained my whole last 40 years of my life, right from childhood. And then, you know, I got a very successful engineering company. Actually, the most, most of the stuff I concentrate on are working with other lawyers for construction uh, site accidents or problems. Then I start to look and see there was nothing out there for the high-achieving ADHD entrepreneur. If everyone goes out there and learns about ADHD, they're unmotivated. They have a hard time doing things. They can't set goals and achieve them. But I was looking at myself when I do that stuff. So what's different? And I looked into more. Did a lot of research because I'm a researcher, being you know a very analytical engineer. I need a lot of data, a lot of information. I looked into it, and there wasn't a lot of research or a lot of information for the high achieving ADHD entrepreneur, we set goals, we're high achieving, we want to keep going. And that just has its own sense of complications. And I wanted to really share that with people because I'm a simplifier, I can take all this complex information, simplify it, and have people work in their strengths, identify their strengths, and just get to the chase of what they love to do best. And, uh, and then people can grow and uh, start enjoying work again.
0: Okay. That's awesome. And one of the things that you brought up, and this is kind of an interesting concept because like, I feel like the picture of ADHD that's painted in society is, you know, it's like some some kid who can't stay off of his phone, but I feel like the diagnosis itself has become like a lot more common in the last, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 15 years, but you know, there's probably a lot of people that are walking around that don't have a diagnosis just to kind of confirm on the story. That was pretty much your situation, right?
1: Yeah. For one, like there's a lot of, like for long this time, they believed that kids grew out of it. Mm-hmm. They grew out of ADHD, but that was not true. They There's research out there saying about 90% of adults do not grow out of it. And they actually get more complications um, because now they've got to adult themselves mm-hmm. or the stress, not the stress, but just the workload of being a parent, You're know, especially with the cuss, like being your own boss and your own company. It just, it amplifies or it, it snowballs with time. So like for me, and that was exactly the case, like because I was smart and I did well in school. Therefore, you don't have ADHD. I still Mm. get that to this day. Because you are successful, there's no way you have ADHD. And for some people, that is true. But for a lot of us high achievers, that is not true. We have a lot of struggles. We were actually harder to stay more organized, more focused on stuff we don't like to do. And we watch everyone else going, hey, they can do it very easily. What's wrong with me? And, you know, that's why we become workaholics, because like I know for me, for the longest time, I spent four hours a day just organizing and making sure I was on top of projects and I had everything in order so I didn't lose it. Right. Yeah. Then I still had an eight hour day to be productive. Mm-hmm. And no one saw that.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because it's like I've also heard the perspective that some people say, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship or any kind of situation like that, like there's there's kind of a, a shade of that with other people. And I'm sure that shade is, is darker for some than others. But
1: I mean, ADHD is definitely a spectrum. Either you have mild, mild symptoms or severe like me. So like for me, it impacts my daily life and routine every day, mm-hmm. while some it could be circumstantial. It could just be very, very light. But for me, it's every day and it ranges. And each of the symptoms are on its own spectrum on the individual person. Yeah. So, like they say, if you met one person with ADHD, you met one person with that ADHD.
0: Yeah. Everyone's different and unique. That's interesting. So if anyone's kind of in this situation where this might be resonating with them, like what are some common tells about whether some this is like, you know, something that's happening on a day-to-day basis that might want somebody you might want to take that as a hint to look deeper into this.
1: Well, for like the one thing is, if you if you if it clicks to you what I say, you get it. Either mm-hmm. you kind of go, hey, I'm not too sure, I gotta think about it, or you just get it. So like for me, if you have to focus to focus, then you might have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Because ADHD is we can really if we're like ADHD pretty much is the nervous system. It's so your brain is wired differently. So if it's not. For us, for the brain to be engaged, it has to be interesting, challenging, novel, and urgent. If you don't have those, it's very hard to get engaged. Right. So that's why a lot of us will just say we'll procrastinate, procrastinate because we want that urgency of last minute do last minute pressure to get the project done quicker. Because then our it speed you know it fires up my brain with the dopamine like it's almost mm. a chemical imbalance. So for me to get that dopamine kick to get engaged and, and finish stuff quickly. I'll wait to the last minute. Or for me, it's, you know, when the lawyer approaches me and says, we got a case here, we'd like to have your expertise. Now that's challenging how I can mm-hmm. work. Something new, something novel. And then usually it's urgent. And I'm, I can be go, go, go in that. So short-term, short bursts of projects, I'm good. But if it's a long-term project, I have a hard time to stay engaged after the solution's been figured out and the urgency's gone. And it's no longer a challenge, no longer interesting, no longer novel. Yeah, so outside of that, I have to sit down and focus the focus and then really hold my attention to those things I don't like to do that are mundane and repetitive.
0: Right, and if I could speculate for a little bit, like I could imagine that there's definitely certain lines of work that would attract people that have that sort of a neurochemistry. Lobbying, one of them, right? If somebody's going from the high of litigation to, you know, this case, that case, responding to different things, that could also be a situation where that attorney, maybe if they're running a solo firm, could be, you know, missing some important stuff as far as the actual day to day of managing things. Oh, because,
1: for sure. Yeah. Oh, I've lost a lot of jobs because I didn't react quick enough to get back to the customer or reacting quick enough to deliver the reports or whatnot. But to go back in your scenario, like attorneys that are in criminal court or do a lot of court work, Hmm. most of them, I guarantee are ADHD because that's urgent. It's interesting. It's fast paced. It's quick, quick, quick. Right. Things are being fired at you. You're always got to see, listen, pay attention. How can we? figure out the next step or anticipate so a lot of them prefer that but once they go back to the office and then they have to write out the reports and and uh, reports are I apologize I don't know your lawyers speak but not citations that's those are police but you know what I mean like whatever yeah. documents you guys submit to the court that's a painful process mm-hmm. and probably they'll delay and delay and and that was one of the things for me as I realized is I realized I really like the getting but not the doing So to do the mundane paperwork afterwards or the mundane, even the same type of case or the same type of problem come across my desk, I'd be bored and I would just push it away and something else came about. And then all of a sudden, everything else seems more interesting than what I need to do because then my attention can't stay focused on what actually is important for someone else. Mm -hmm. And there's the other key. If it's important for someone else, our brain has a hard time deciphering that that's an important thing we must do. So if it's important to us, interesting interesting to us, we'll be more apt to engage in that, which, you know, a lot of times they'll say squirrel. You know, and then you find out you're just looking down, you know, Googling for two hours on something that has nothing to do with what you got to do. Now I got to stay late to catch up on that so I can deliver tomorrow. And then you get that shame of feeling bad that you you couldn't do what you were supposed to do during the day. Now you got to catch up, come in early, stay late to get all that stuff.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of attorneys resonate with those things as far as kind of like the late hours, especially too. But, you know, it's also, it's kind of interesting because there's like these situations where people might have to seek out stress to be interested, but at the same time, it's like, you know, that's still stress at the end of the day. But Mm -hmm. let me ask you this, you know, it seems like, you know, there's like not to to focus on kind of the drawbacks. It's like, there's also, you know, you know, some things that are benefits about having a brain that's wired like that. Right. Yeah.
1: I've always said that unmanaged strengths can become your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when I first got the diagnosis of ADHD, yes, I went through the, you know, the stages of grief, upset, denial, and all that. And once I got to the point of, you know, I read my mantra, I've written somewhere, I'm like, what if I harness my symptom? For me, during my Life Tempest, my symptoms took over, my impulsivity, my emotional dysregulation, my inattention, all hyperactivity. So as an adult grows older, the hyperactivity goes from physical to mental, but I'm still physically hyperactive. So you got all those just taking control of you. So if we can just stay within the bumper lanes in a bowling alley, you know, the little bumpers, they raise up kids, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we don't want a tight rope, but we want some, but we just need like a boundary. If we can stay within those boundaries and manage those symptoms and manage the environment around us, manage the symptoms, then they are strength. Like I credit my entrepreneurial journey and success because of my undiagnosed ADHD, but the hardships and failures and loss of my first engineering company was because of my undiagnosed ADHD. Right. Now that I'm starting to harness it, you know, my impulsivity is my creativity on a job site when things Mm -hmm. aren't going well. You know, me sitting in meetings, having that inattention, because I'm able to pull solutions out of thin air from whatever, and I'm able to listen to things that are not being said that speaks loudly to me. So there's lots of stuff to do there. And then my, you know, my hyperactivity can't sit still. I got to go, go, go. Just uh, gets me a lot of projects and opportunities that most people would just sit there and wait.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, because um, there's a few stuff and like some some current, well, I'm trying to think, recent guests like Molly McGrath, uh, a lot of the people that we've had in terms of just the hiring people, that kind of process type stuff. Are you familiar with, you know, the Colby Index or uh, the work of Gino Wickman with Visionaries, Integrators, that kind of thing?
1: yeah i'm quite familiar actually with colby i work with kathy colby i got that my first one in 2011 been using it since 2014 with my team certified consultant i use the print and the strengths finder and that's the basis of my program i'm developing and i work with people to identify those yeah so like i'm a fact finder i resist the fall through so i need a lot of details i need a random system i don't like bureaucratic systematic yeah. systems i find shortcuts I'm my quick start. I'm, I'm really good at experimenting, but not free flowing, going and, and try risk. And then I'm in my implementer is a five. So I'm right in the middle lane between a conceptual person and a hands on problem solver.
0: Right. And what sort of, the, you know, have you seen any patterns in terms of people who might have this, you know, ADHD kind of uh, neurotype? And what would that tend to show up in, on, on a Colby index?
1: There is no specific pattern, Colby pattern for ADHD. Mm-hmm. And I have seen quite a bit like like my daughter, she's a she's an initiating falls she needs a lot of systems and to-do lists to plan out her day to get it done effectively. And she's a hyperactive ADHD girl. Mm-hmm. And I would most people would say that's not an ADHD thing if you're looking specifically at Colby. But what I do find with Colby is very helpful with the ADHD person is the systems. For the solutions to harness your ADHD, we use your Colby to develop them. So with my daughter, I will be a little more systematic and more to do. And then for me, I need a little bit. I need bumpers. Mm-hmm. I need a little bit of a ride range that I can still be random, but still keep my attention focused. And I'm not sure if, uh, if your listeners are aware, but Colby is like the cognitive part of your mind, the third part of your mind. You got cognitive, what you know. And what you learn, your affective, which is your behaviors, what you like and love to do. And your cognitive is how you do things every time. Basically what you will do, won't do, and you're willing to do.
0: Mm. No, that's really interesting too. I guess where my brain was going, was like, I, I felt like, you know, a lot of the stuff, the orientation towards the chaos and novelty, like I would think would be classically sort of like either, you know, visionary on the gino Wickman side, or like, I guess like quick start with Kobe, but I might be, you know, drawing connections that don't exist. Well,
1: if you want to talk about the visionary side of, uh, Gina Wickman is like, I'm a visionary, but I'm a fact finder. So the fact finder, our time frame is in the past. Mm. So based on what I know from the past, I can create a new vision. Well, mm. the initiating quick start is more about just a randomly brand new future. Mm. Right? So it's all in varying degrees. Like I, I argue with Kathy and Colby for a long time. Like I know a lot of engineering people entrepreneurs who have their own businesses. I know a lot of accountants who have their own businesses. I know of quite a few actually lawyers that have their own business and they're all fact finder follow-throughs, but they're successful entrepreneurs. They all had a vision. It's just the way they go to it is different than quick start resistant
0: follow-through would do. Gotcha. And it's interesting too, because this is something that came up in the last time we ended up having Colby coming up on the podcast too, because it's like, it's almost like a lot of the, the attorneys that end up making it. It's either they're not the, yeah, you know, the classic Steve Jobs visionary, because, you know, just in terms of the due diligence that you have to do, in the course yeah. of course, your job it probably wouldn't be really good at the first step that <laughs> we get you to the second step. But let's talk about that for a little bit, though. So as far as the situation goes, you know, we will say if we have the situation, and we have talked a couple times too about these systems and stuff, too, which I know is super key to your practice and something I'm very, very interested in. But, you know, given that we have these situations when people might have certain strengths or weaknesses depending on how ADHD they are, how does somebody start to build the systems around them to be able to really, you know, minimize those weaknesses and and leverage those strengths?
1: Well, the first thing you got to do is just understand how the ADHD brain works, how it works differently from everyone else. Like I read all the self-help books probably that was out there in the last 20 years and found none of them worked for me. At the time, I didn't know my brain was different. So, I still p- recommend people to read them, but just pull one thing from it and see if it'll work for you. And then, with my research, to me, ADHD is also an executive dysfunction disorder. So, executive functioning is how you plan, set goals, strategize, and prioritize work. So, and then working memory is part of that, which is, you know, everyone, the neurotypicals, they can hold seven to 10 pieces of information in their head and they can remember it at any time that's why phone numbers are seven numbers seven to ten numbers interesting yeah and but the adhd brain that work memory is actually could be down to three or four so if you give me a fifth piece of information just picture a shelf here i got four pieces of information but that's all the shelf can hold and you put a fifth one It's you push the four fiber up there then that last one falls and it's gone out of my mind mm-hmm. So, and then now I get accused of forgetting and not listening. Well, not really, because my brain doesn't. That's why I got a logbook. Everything is written down so I can remember later. And then, and there's another ADHD thing. What was the question again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How can we start to build systems to really systems?
1: Right. So it's an executive function and it's also a time blindness disorder. So the ADHD brain is now or not now. Mm-hmm. So planning in the future or looking at something in the future, like saving money, if I'm going to save money so I can have a lot more down the road too far away. So what we end up doing is like, okay, I got two weeks to do this work. Then I won't start. I won't start. I would start. Now it's two days. Mm-hmm. Now it's due. It's now. So once I got those two pieces of information in my head, now I recommend we we start working on the executive function what is your executive functioning deficit and how can we fix those you know have someone I got a project manager just to manage the projects that I want to get executed mm-hmm. new creative stuff because I'm not good at project managing even though I'm well known for it it's just I'm it's a waste of a waste of effort for me because I, start, I want to start too many projects, but then I need someone to say, well, which one do you want to finish first? Or let's just postpone it. If I can have someone to say, I'll put it over in this pile here because later on I know it'll come back, I'm okay with that. Or I'm going to try to juggle all these projects. And uh, just getting control of time and making time visible. Making mm-hmm. it visible. So colors on a calendar. i got whiteboards all over my office with stuff that's due or things I'm planning to do. So it's all visible. If it's out of sight, it's out of mind, and I will forget about it unless I keep rolling it in my head, and that's just a waste of mental energy, and you you forget a bunch of other stuff. And then from there, just get your, your strengths. Identify your strengths, and then hire your weaknesses. If you're not good at scheduling, get someone to do it, a VA or an assistant, or even I got some of my engineering guys now. They just schedule all the meetings that I want to meet with them about strength building or whatever else. I put it on them to make sure it's in my calendar. They'll get it done.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it definitely requires like an honest inventory of what people are good at and bad at. And I feel like a lot of people are in denial.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hard work. It's you have to be truly honest, get the ego out. And that's what I call the mirror test. If you got to stare. If you, I remember when I first started my, my first engineering company, I did the mirror test. There was some stuff I did not like about myself, behaviors, reactions, and I stared at myself In the eye saying, I don't like this about you. And then try to hold your your gaze, look into your own eyes. And if you can hold your gaze and say these hard things, then you got some truth. But if you can't hold your gaze, then there's something you're hiding from. Interesting. So what I ended up doing unknowingly was I identified all these things. And what I did is I worked backwards to the start, the trigger or the initiating event that would cause me to get to that place I didn't want to be. So I created an early warning system. And then the biggest thing with ADHD I discovered over the last few years is your environment. Your environment affects you tremendously. Mm-hmm. So if there's a lot of distractions around, you will be distracted. I got, I just called myself to built myself a little ADHD proof room <laughs> where all I have is my desk, whiteboards. I don't have clutter. Everything that's on my desk is all I need to work on right now. Everything else is outside of the wall, so I can't see it. So I can't say, hey, I just want to look at that. Mm-hmm. And getting the right people around you. Sometimes, they, you know, if you're in an office that's just constantly interrupting you and they won't let you work by yourself every once in a while, it's not the right environment. And that's a key one is environment control. If we can control the environment, which will help manage your ADHD and help you stay focused and control your fo- your attention to
0: focus is key. Okay. Gosh. Gotcha. So no open office plans.
1: <laughs> For no, sure. You know why It's not only disrupting me. I'm disrupting everyone else too.
0: I <laughs> oh, yeah, think good point, too. Well, it's, it's something interesting too because I've seen some research as well as just like an, like on task switching in particular. So it's just like you know we have the situation where you know an interruption that might cost somebody you know you know five or ten minutes might. I and mean, who knows? Like if you know if you end up one of those those Google things, then you could end up being two hours or something like that too, oh, right? Easily. Yeah. yeah. And as far as like, you know, kind of ways to, you know, if you have any like quick tactical tips, right? So we've talked about the physical space. Is there anything that you do from a, well, I'll give you an example of something I've, I've started doing too. It's like, whenever I'm on this podcast, I got slack off. I have all my, uh, my text. I turned I haven't had a ringer for text messages or a banner on my phone in years, which much to the chagrin of anyone, know, <laughs> friends and family are trying to reach me. But yeah, you know, it's something that I've kind of learned about myself. Oh, technology is the worst. Okay. Yes, the
1: the reminders, the notifications—that's just an automatic distraction, and you cannot forget
0: about it until you get that that itch tickled. Okay, that's interesting. So, what do you recommend for people that have to contend with all these different things, like Slack, email, that kind of stuff?
1: You gotta block your time. Like, if I'm gonna do focus work or money making work, that's all I'm doing. I don't even have like even on my computer. I turn off my Outlook. I turn off all notifications on my laptop, my computer. Then I got set times to go check that those things, mm-hmm. and I got I fell off the wagon. COVID made me fall off the wagon, but I'm gonna go back to I only check my emails at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Because if I check my emails first thing in the morning, I go down rabbit holes, and I know that for me, the morning, the earlier, the better, because there's less distractions. But at the same time, I'm a morning person. I can do eight hours worth of work in four or yeah. less. Nice, and I've been that's been observed by others about me. So I try to come in do all my money-making stuff first thing in the morning. Then I check my emails. Then I could be distracted from there on. Because if I do first thing in the morning, I don't get to do what I plan to do. Because now I might get some interesting stuff I want to solve. And then it just, it goes from there. So that's one of them. And then for the time blindness, I got this um, journal that I call the getting shit done journal. Nice. And all I do is every week, I just dump Monday mornings. I just dump everything I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to do. And then I got the shit list as a little piece of paper that can go in my logbook. And I identify three things I want to get done every day.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: beside that, I got a little, little happy moment, you know, a success note to celebrate a success or a happy thing that day. And then I list out the top three things I want to get done or focus on for the week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I do that all Monday morning. I leave it a little loose because of my cold I leave it a little loose for the rest of the week, but I try to get every morning i'm only dealing with a small piece of something rather than the whole thing by just doing that dump and then having to realistically look at it and say what needs to be done and what can wait
0: yeah and you know going back to the whole working memory type thing that's probably absolutely like the only way that you can do stuff but i was going to say too like i mean it sounds like some of these habits are generally good for anyone right like i don't think anyone performs better when they're distracted but like What do you feel about the crossover between that and people who would be like a little bit lighter on the spectrum or neurotypical?
1: I honestly, I didn't realize this, but my first company, I actually ADHD. I made it an ADHD-safe company by creating standard operating procedures. I did it also that I can receive information in a certain way, and that all the projects would be done in the same steps, the same way every time, or every you know how we submit expenses, just so that. It's all the routine. Routine is better for my brain, mm-hmm. and just winging it. As much as I love to wing it, but for the stuff I don't really enjoy doing or that's mundane, repetitive, routines are best. So, the more we can make it an ADHD safe environment, everyone wins. Yeah. Well, so I think because it, it simplifies things, it makes it more efficient, and just takes out a lot of noise and, and useless crap that that's not necessary to be there, and I know there's a lot of people out there that think they love, they should always be dealing with mistakes of others or these chaotic things. But in the end, those are nice to do every once in a while, but constantly all the time. No, the ship can run smooth. Everyone can work their 40 hours. Everyone can go home stressed less and have a good weekend and rejuvenate and come back for another good week.
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting, because it's like, it's almost like, you know, somebody who has a, a heavy amount of ADHD is almost like the canary in the coal mine, like, if it's something that will set that person off, then there's probably some, you know, less perceptible amount of cognitive friction that might be throwing everyone else off in the the office as well. And it's something I just kind of think about as well, too. It's like, from the marketing perspective, we're always trying to make things as simple as possible, the lightest, yeah. uh, you know, most simple language, like that kind of stuff, too. But you know, it's it's really design of how everything, you know, works in your business. So, super insightful. And as well far like, like-
1: the thing is too, just with that analogy is about the canary and you said about setting off the entrepreneur. And that's a valid point because our brain does not have a filter. You know, everyone tells you Andre, you're funny, you know, you can be dangerous sometimes because you don't have a filter. You just say what you want to say. And I said, well, it's true because my prefrontal cortex, that's where if your brain has a thought as something, your prefrontal cortex stops and goes, "Hey, let's check this in Should you react overly? Is it a threat or whatnot? Then you react. But in the ADHD brain, a lot of times if you're surprised or blindsided, your amygdala, your primitive brain, sees it as an attack. So you either fight, flight, or freeze. And Mm -hmm. since you don't have a filter to stop and check the threat level, you react immediately. And it's intense. Our emotions are about a thousand times more sensitive. And intense than everyone else so that comes out immediately impulsively a big reaction and everyone goes like holy crap what happened there and then you know what then it's done for mm-hmm. us it's done but the reaction was there in the outburst so that's what a lot of times it's misunderstood as the too emotional or rude or hard hard nosed but it's those impulsive emotions that burst out that we gotta slow, we gotta work on
0: slowing down. And by controlling your environment and reducing those situations helps us a lot. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. And kind of on the note of how you sort of relate to the other people in the workplace too. How open are you about your tendencies? Like since you've kind of had this discovery about yourself, and how open would you recommend other people do it? I own my own companies.
1: So you
0: if you don't it. like it, find somewhere else.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always been that way, but since i got the diagnosis i got to understand actually on my podcast i created an episode a little short i do a monday interview and then a thursday short and the short was called why i don't say hi to you in the morning <laughs> yeah. so i've got guys that'll come in and they say hey how are you doing how are you doing and if i'm in the hyper focus and i'm really into it if i know if i say hi jerry how are you today I'm lost. I can't get back into my hyper-focus. So I actually tune it out. And I'll, sometimes I won't even hear them because I'm so into it. But I know if I say hi, I'm going to lose my my focus. So now they know if I'm ignoring them, I'm not being rude. It's just I'm in my hyper-focus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then i also tell them, when you ask me or tell me something, ignore my first facial reaction or the first set of words that come out of my mouth. Has yeah. nothing to do with you. It's just my brain reacting, my brain not slowing it down. And then I have two seconds, then I everything goes in check. And then we solve the problem. So I'm really open with that kind of stuff. And you know, I don't, you know, like I just did to you, right? Just forgot the question. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> Keep me on track
0: if you could. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's not, it's I'm being honest with people and I'm not ashamed about it. It's just, I'm wired differently. I do things differently. And I got validated because I knew my whole life I was not doing things the same way. I wasn't solving solutions the same way. I didn't see the world the same way. But I was told that that's not the right way and something's wrong with you. But now I know this is how it is. And you know what? I'm successful because of those traits. So let's just, my big thing is raising ADHD awareness, especially with entrepreneurs to talk about it. And to have the conversation and not be ashamed of it. Because there's a lot of negative connotations since we're raised as, from, since we're kids, there's still people thinking it's a bad thing. It's getting better, but there's still a lot of work to do. And the more open we are, like, I've been looking like a fool my whole life. So why, let's just add on this one, right? I don't care about talking about it. You <laughs> yeah, can laugh
0: yeah. at me all you want. I'm comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And um, okay, so I want to also bring something up too. And this is sort of um been on the back of my mind, but how do you feel about, like medication for this kind of thing? Is that something? And I know there's a lot of pros and cons to these sort of things. Medication at the
1: time of my life tempest was beneficial because it slowed me down. So I can work on a, on a bunch of other things so that I went through a lot of therapy. I'm still going through therapy right now. Dialectical behavioral therapy. I'm off of it now because I don't think it really works for me. But I know a lot of people, they take it and they say, I can focus and just get all this paperwork done. Actually, mm-hmm. i guy who built my little office here me talking to him he started listening to my podcast he went got tested and he's like I I was able to do two months worth of paperwork in the night because he was just able to sit down so for some people it does well some people it doesn't and it really depends on the person and what comes out of it like for me with my experience the dosage I was on it was making me too mellow and I wasn't being impulsive enough and when I go to job sites When i solve these unique complex problems i need that impulsivity or because i start thinking too much right i'm thinking too much then i don't get a good solution it's these weird salute these weird things that come in my mind that plays out to a good solution and quicker so it's very it's a personal thing what you want to do i recommend everyone to at least try it especially if they're if you're going through a hard time in life like i was Mm -hmm. to try and see what happens and it's not it's not just like yeah like you're seven feet tall, or you're four feet tall, you're whatever, and you're going to be this dosage. This no, it's it's all trial and error. So you, I went through about seven different types mm-hmm. before we start getting something working. But it takes patience, and the key is to find a professional that has understanding and experience with adult ADHD. Mm-hmm. We still have a lot of doctors out there. Even my general practitioner still doesn't truly believe that ADHD is in adults, but he trusts. The psychiatrist who diagnosed me, there's not enough out there in adult ADHD to say I can diagnose you. These people need to have their own general interest to help those with ADHD. So, if that first person you're talking to you starts saying no, 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 find someone else. So, you might, it might take three, four, five people to work it out, but you got It's a process. It's time. You don't go in and go in for a minute and get your blood checked and then say, Hey, you got ADHD. It took <laughs> yeah, a year right. and a half for me to go through it. There's a lot of questions being asked. Talk to my wife. They wanted to talk to my parents, talk to my siblings. They want to look at old stuff in the past and then try this, try that. And it's a process and everyone's different. You got inattentive ADHD and you got hyperactive ADHD. So the inattentive type, hyperactive, self-explanatory, it's that kid bouncing off the walls or someone. Like for me, I fidget all the time. Like right now I got a little, little SpongeBob here. I'm squeezing mm-hmm. that helps me focus and be distracted enough to focus. Then the inattentive type is those are the people that are just, they're always stuck in their mind. Like always stuck in the clouds or, or on the moon. If you're French yeah. right? <laughs> and it's just like constant daydreaming. And then they lose, they're more apt to lose focus and attention. And just like my youngest, she was one night she was crying. She said, I just, I know I get distracted and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. right? That's the inattentive
0: type. Yeah. And as far as kind of the testing related to this too, I know you mentioned going through this, is there any sort of standard on how these things are conducted? You know, obviously, yeah, it's not like throwing on the cuff, the, the blood pressure test, but what is the standard as far as diagnosis for for knowing that you have it? a clinical perspective? See, that's
1: a bit of the challenge because mm-hmm. um the DSM, the diagnostic something, forget, forget the acronym, but uh, statistical model, that's how the psychiatrists That's the Bible for psychiatrists, again, across the world. So in ADHD, the symptoms listing there is for kids only. Interesting. So for kids only. So there's really, according to the Bible, there is no adult ADHD. So a lot of these professionals will take it. There's actually some wording saying for the kids, I think you need seven of the nine, but for adults, it could be six of the nine symptoms Mm -hmm. in the different system classifications. So there's that part that they can use as reference. As guidance, every facility I've been at, they all got their own same type of questionnaire to give you a scale of what things are affecting you, and they're all pretty much the same. So different ones I did about six or seven with my psychiatrist, and then a lot of it's just talking back and forth and reading books. My psychiatrist asked me to read two books, and then we sat down. and says, "What'd you think about it?" And I'm like, "That's like 500 pages of me." Yeah, right. I, and I even read it to disprove it was ADHD. Like mm-hmm. I didn't believe it was ADHD because it was too simple of a like made too much sense. It was too simple to explain my last forty years. So it's a lot of talking, and patience, and then having my spouse involved throughout the process was very beneficial because I don't see what they see. Mm-hmm. So when I was on medication, I didn't really see a difference. I didn't feel a difference. But my wife said, "Oh wow, you were so different, right?" So it's it's a lot of that. And that takes a lot of vulnerability and honesty to say, hey, I, I need other people's help. I need to ask my spouse if I'm doing better or not. And then in the end, too, it's ADHD is the only mental health disorder that's diagnosed because it affects other people. It's disruptive to other people. You're, you know, no filter impulsivity, your disruption in class, your disruption in the office, depression, anxiety. It's all about you. It, it affects me and it affects my day. But ADHD is all about how it affects others. So having that said, and a lot of the treatments over the past many years, even today, depending on who you are, it's all about how to make you normal, how to fit in. So some of the medication can make you fit in because it slows you down, focuses. I think for students it's very beneficial. So you can get through a class day and do your work. I think that's beneficial. And then a lot of the... Like And treatments, medication, education, and systems and routines, and then some therapies on how to interact and stuff, but to follow how it should be for other people. The biggest thing I learned from my psychiatrist, he actually looked at us, he goes, it's not Andre here that changes. The whole family has to change. We've got to come to a compromise. So -hmm. the spouse has to, like my wife, when she started to learn about it, she started to see that some of the stuff she did actually triggered me unintentionally and same thing with the kids. So the environment at home has to change, but that involves everyone, not just you. So if someone's telling you you have to change to make it work for everyone else, but no one else is working out is working on it, I'm going to challenge you to say that those might not be the right people or might not be the right person to help you with the treatment.
0: Interesting. Now as far as like the systems and procedures too. So like you've been running a coaching practice for this. I'm super interested in this. So, you know, if somebody's working with you, what does that deployment usually look like? In what way? Like, yeah, where do you start? Like, you know, like what are a you to build out first? Yeah, yeah, what is yeah, that? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, like, for me, what I do is uh, I start with the, the module called uh, You and ADHD. And this is just to understand how the brain works. And, mm-hmm. and I bring from the side of the high-functioning entrepreneur, how does your brain work, time blindness, executive functioning. We list out everything that's challenging or frustrating. We identify like what tools you you should have to to make time visible and really get down to that initiating event or trigger that triggers these symptoms to go out of control. So if we can get those identified, then we work on setting up boundaries and barriers and non-acceptables, and those are communicated out. And then we write a little game plan on how you work best. And then after that, we'll work on how to structure your environment, so we can harness your ADHD strengths so they won't become symptoms. So we, we work a little more and identify in each symptom areas where it works best for you, or it doesn't, and how we can modify the environment to keep you in that lane at all times. And then after that, we work on the non-ADHD strengths, which is the Colby, the print, and the strengths binder as part of it. And then we just deep dive into what you should be doing at all times and only. So what's your superpower? What's the one thing people rely on you the most
0: all the time? And that's all you should be doing. And then everything else is hired out. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's interesting too, because it does mirror some of the stuff that, you know, we've been looking at as far as the the research that I've been looking into. But, you know, that's the thing. People got to stay in their lanes at the end of the day. And it's like everyone has their strengths. And to be able to contribute that in the fullest capacity is what is going to be probably more comfortable for your life day to day, but also what's better for the company. (laughs) <laughs> like, why are you doing bookkeeping? Yeah. <laughs> when you
1: are there to, like my my unique ability is devouring complex information, simplifying it for everyone, and have people work in their strength and resolve complex solution problems. Mm. I can see stuff. That's all I'm doing right now. And if the projects, if I'm involved in a project, I make it go right and left so many times because I come up with new ideas to go in a different direction. And that messes up my guys because. They had a plan. Now I disrupted it. So I'm out of projects. I mm. come up with a solution. They come up with a plan. When they can't move forward anymore or it comes, the solution is not working and they need to come up with something completely off the wall. That's when they knock on my door. That's when I come. That's when I go to job sites, when, a job, when it's a unique thing. And I stay in my lane. And I create content. And I've, now I'm starting to dump all the stuff that I'm, I've thought about and I've experienced and just my way of thinking to solve unique stuff. I'm laying it out and they prefer it that they're okay me sitting there doing nothing now it's yeah. me that has to decide or get comfortable with me not doing anything because i've been doing it for so much all the time and everything for 20 years because i believe i had to do it all so i can be successful
0: and it's interesting too because you know at the end of the day too it's like you know there's the diagnosis but there are so many positive aspects too it's just like you no, know, to go to the complete opposite example. You know, there's people whose focus is what they're. You know, that's what people or they're they're steady as a rock. Like you get the bookkeeper, mm-hmm. you can throw anything at and they'll figure yeah. it out and get to the deadline. You need that person doing their thing as well too. So it's you know it kind of goes back to this whole thing, just like everyone sort of almost like the like Adam Smith Wealth of Nations approach to like how to run your business, right? Like right, who does the best? Keep them in that yeah. lane, and it's kind of good to go.
1: Yeah, um, and then with and with my team, and that's all I do is just like we I try to identify their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it's not to make fun of them or to ridicule them. It's to see what I don't want them to do. Yeah, right. Like I got a guy here who loves Excel. I can give him complex. I could come up with this an idea that needs complex calculations, and if I got to do it, it's going to be months before I even try to get to it. This guy, next day, he's done. He just loves it. Yeah, right. So that's perfect. Two pieces. You know, it works great. So if you can get your team to identify what they don't like to do. And then you can try to figure a way where people can swap tasks or just hire someone else that enjoys it, or even repositioning someone into something that they're well, like I got another guy he's a real computer with great engineer, but a computer with, so I'm going to make him our IT guy.
0: Yeah. Right it's also an interesting meta point too it's like you know the deeper as an entrepreneur you're able to go into yourself the deeper you're able to help the people that work for you so it's like you know i kind of hate when people poo the personal development stuff or the therapy or or going into these things in depth because really they are limiting the ability that they can you know work with other people at a deep level that is beautifully said man
1: i that is awesome
0: yeah Um, thank you
1: (laughs) <laughs> like, it, it's true. Like to me, the day I stop learning is the day I die, and I'm always want to get better. Mm-hmm. Right? To me, if today I solve this problem about me, but that means that thing is now identified. Now, what was blocking the view over the smaller stuff is now open. There's always something more. You see, mm-hmm. You're going to fall into bad habits again, and how do you get back out of it? It's awareness, self-awareness, self-honesty, and you're right. If you, and I, and that's what I portray here, that's why I openly talk about mental health and therapy. What's there to be ashamed of? I'm getting better. I know a lot of people are starting to say, I'm getting therapy. I'm, so far in this last eight months, I've had seven people going now getting tested for ADHD just because mm-hmm. I'm talking about it openly. And some people are going openly into therapy. So I know if you have that attitude, like you said, Yan, people see that and they're going to want to per- personify it. I don't even know that's the right word, but They'll try to do it themselves. And if you got the right people around you, they're going to want that because they want it for themselves too, but they need the leadership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, it's been an awesome conversation, but we're getting through the end of the hour. As far as the situation with anyone who's this is resonating with, what's the best next step for somebody to get in your world?
1: Um, well, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn or you can start listening to my podcast called The Impulsive Thinker. You can go to theimpulsivethinker.com, sign up for our newsletter there. Or just, uh, you know, join the newsletter also at tacticalbts.com, which is break for uh, tactical breakthroughs where I've got the ADHD transformation journey. And you can set up an appointment there to just have a conversation with me. We can start there. Yeah, just follow me on that. And um, I'm always looking for high-achieving ADHD entrepreneurs to be guests on the podcast because I want to celebrate them, too. Oh, There's super cool. That.
0: All right. Well, that's awesome, man. And I really appreciate the time and you know the honesty and, and everything that you've kind of contributed in this past hour. But um so was, thanks again, Andre. And for everyone else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at eight a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.